Hey everybody, welcome to episode 233 of the Running Rogue Podcast. This is your host, Chris McClung, coming to you from Austin, Texas, as usual. I'm excited about my episode today because I'm going to be talking about a topic that I've heard a little bit about as a running coach recently from athletes that I coach, which is the topic of running burnout. Running burnout. We're going to talk about what the definition of burnout is, what causes it, at least some of the big reasons why you might get running burnout. And then, of course, we'll talk about what to do about it if you're in that place. I also think this episode is going to be useful and helpful for those who would like to avoid running burnout. But as I've seen, because of, I think, perhaps the special conditions that we faced over the last year plus due to the pandemic, I think there may be more cases of running burnout out there than perhaps normal. So I think this is an important topic and I'm excited to cover it today. A couple of quick things before we jump in. First of all, I just have to make a quick correction from my episode last week. I mistakenly said that when I was talking about fuel adaptation that the body can convert fat into glucose, which then fuels the respiration process. That is not accurate. Actually, what happens is the body converts fat into the fatty acids that makes up that process, then goes through a couple of subsequent processes that ultimately leads to the Krebs cycle, which then produces ATP or energy from the fatty acids themselves. That process also requires oxygen. And so oxygen, again, becomes a big player in that equation. But all the all the things I mentioned about that are still true, which is that you know your body has about two to three hours of glycogen on board. Once that's used up, which is its preferred easiest to access fuel source, then it converts to burning fat. And that is a harder, slower process that ultimately results in plenty of energy. But that transition from burning carbs to fat becomes a complicated, slower process, which can result in bonking. And so what we do with the long run is we work on fueling adaptation to teach our body to burn fat more easily and more quickly so that when it gets to that point in a race, it's ready to go. So so that is a quick correction that I misspoke on last week. Now let's quickly mention, I want to quickly mention that this episode is again sponsored by my partners at Care Of. I've got an offer code for you that I'll talk about in the middle of the episode, but this is the vitamin and supplement company that I use to get my daily vitamins really easily. So I'll talk about those in the middle of the episode, but want to thank them for sponsoring this one. All right, let's jump into this topic on running burnout. As I mentioned, I've had several conversations recently with athletes in a few different places in my world that have been facing some form of running burnout themselves. And I think this is partially a byproduct of the circumstances of the last year. And I'll talk about some of those things as we go. But we've had this weird situation where we haven't had natural peaks and valleys in our training over the last year because there haven't been races happening. And so people have, in many cases, been training consistently through and oftentimes piling on some sort of virtual race after one after the other without having proper breaks because 
You don't have the same feeling after a virtual race that you need recovery like you might have after a big in-person race. And as a result, we've been sort of stringing together training blocks without proper recovery periods. And then that has caused, in some cases, I think, burnout for many. There are, of course, other reasons for that, but I think the conditions of the last 12 plus months have potentially contributed to this. And so I've seen some people, as we look to this fall race training cycle, I've seen some people that aren't quite ready to start it because they're just frankly burned out and they need to, in many cases, reset the system before jumping into training again, because without that reset, it's going to be very, very difficult to get to a place where you feel like you're you're building. So let's talk about this. First, I want to talk about how do you define burnout? And then secondly, we'll talk about what causes it. And then we're going to talk about what to do about it. And on the what to do about it side, I think there are mental elements. There's things you can do with your mind and then there are physical elements things that you should do with your body because burnout is very much both a physical and mental challenge that you might face so let's talk about this first of all from a definitional standpoint i have to thank my prior guest on the show alex hutchinson who recently did an article on running burnout and some of the reasons behind it I'll talk about some of those reasons as we go, but he pointed me to a researcher named Luke Olson, who works with St. John University in Great Britain, who has studied this topic of running or sports-related burnout. And he defines burnout, sport-related burnout, with three pillars. One, there's emotional and physical exhaustion. Two, there's a reduced sense of accomplishment. And three, there you, you develop negative feelings toward your sport. And all of those three things are clearly related. So again, emotional and physical exhaustion. Two, reduced sense of accomplishment, meaning you don't feel the same satisfaction from the results that you typically get. And three, you start to develop negative feelings towards your sport or you're not motivated to go do it. Those three things together can can point to you potentially having running burnout. So then the next natural question before we get to what could cause that is simply what are the things you might be feeling that would point to you having running burnout? And I think we can talk about things that dovetail with those three planks that Luke Olson lays out. First of all, you're going to be tired. You're going to be tired. You're going to be exhausted. You're going to feel like you can't get recovered from whatever work you might be doing. And you also may feel like you're not able to hit the target paces or complete the workouts the way you would like or that you may have traditionally been able to do. And so you're going to feel a lingering fatigue and exhaustion that's manifesting in the form of you struggling through runs, struggling through workouts, or not being able to replicate the performances that you can typically replicate in the past. And I think it's important to recognize that this is not something that's a short-term issue. You're not going to have running burnout because you just had a bad week or a single bad workout or maybe a string of bad workouts. 
What we're talking about here is a prolonged period of time where you're feeling this sort of fatigue and exhaustion. And I think for me, as I've seen this manifest in others, it needs to be a period of probably at least three weeks, at least three weeks where you're just feeling like nothing's working. Everything feels hard. You're tired all the time. You're not hitting workouts. Your runs feel sluggish and tough. So it's got to be all of those feelings, but over a prolonged period of time. Now, then you dovetail that. That's the physical side. Then you dovetail that with the, the mental and emotional side where you might be struggling to get out for your runs or struggling to have motivation to get out from your runs. If running is something you do because you love it and you have a defined purpose within it, but suddenly you just don't want to do it anymore or everything around the sport feels like a burden, like you have to do it, but you don't want to do it, that's a sign of running burnout. And then, of course, there's another element of just feeling like you're not enjoying the the process. You're not enjoying the wins or the losses. You're, as, as Luke Olson mentioned, you have a reduced sense of accomplishment. You go out, you do a run, or you do a workout, or you do that virtual race, and you're just sort of hmm, shoulder shrug, shoulder shrug, doesn't really do anything for you. You're not getting that payback from the work or from the results of the work that you would typically get. You are doing it, maybe just going through the motions, but you're not actually feeling the rewards that you would normally feel. That's another sign of running burnout. So it's prolonged periods of exhaustion, fatigue, things not going well from a workout standpoint, paired with a lack of motivation to get out the door, paired with a lack of satisfaction for the work that you are able to do or for the results that you are able to get. That's the formula. That's the perfect storm of running burnout. I think it's important to recognize as we talk about this, that you might have a pillar of that, but not the other two elements, in which case I think we're talking about something slightly different. That doesn't mean you can't put some of the strategies to work that we're going to talk about to help address that particular issue, that single plank of challenge that you might be facing. But in this case, really, when we're talking about running burnout, we're talking about this perfect storm of these three things working together in a way that just has you unmotivated, tired, and not excited about doing what you would normally do. So that's what we're talking about, this perfect storm of things. So now before we talk about fixing the challenge, let's talk about what might be causing it. And again, there there are a host of reasons why you might get running burnout, but I'm going to talk about three of them. I'm going to talk about three of them. And I think it's important if you recognize that you have this challenge to also do some thinking and digging on, well, why? What's causing it before you get to the place of trying to work through it? But let's let's talk about the why. The first is more purely physical. There could be an element of overtraining. There could be an element of overtraining happening. How do you define overtraining? Overtraining is doing too much all the time, is doing too much all the time, if I were to give it its most simplest definition. 
And I think that can manifest in a few different ways. And and as I mentioned, I think the pandemic time period lends itself potentially to overtraining for those who have been in that place of really just going all in on their training over the last 12 plus months, which is a perfectly fine place to have been, but it could have resulted in in unintended consequences. So what does overtraining look like? Overtraining can look like too much all the time over the period of months, over a period of months where you've gone from training cycle to training cycle to training cycle or perhaps virtual racing cycle to virtual racing cycle to virtual racing cycle without any proper exhale, without any proper break between those periods of training. And you've just been powering through, maintaining high mileage, maintaining workout intensity throughout that entire time. And so you've been stringing together all of this great work but without giving your body that natural break, that natural exhale after you might have normally had a peak performance, that two weeks after a big race where you let yourself do whatever you want, not necessarily train with purpose or focus, and then allow your motivation to naturally rebuild and come back. If you've skipped that over the last 12 months because of the circumstances, then that could be a sign that you're doing, again, too much, that you may have overtrained over the last 12 to to 15 months. Another example of overtraining could be where you're doing too much all the time in the form of perhaps mileage that's too aggressive, or maybe workouts that are too aggressive, or perhaps balancing recovery days in ways that are insufficient. So you could have decided over the last 12 months that instead of focusing on races that you've decided to max out your volume in a way that you never have before. And maybe that has caused you to claim some victories and getting to higher mileage levels, but maybe you're reaching that breaking point where your body's saying this is too much and therefore it's contributing to running burnout. Or maybe you're in a place where you have too much intensity involved, where your workouts are harder than ever, or perhaps you're not balancing it appropriately with the right recovery work, that active rest, in order to make sure that all things fit together in a way that's sustainable. And so those things could be acutely contributing to overtraining. Typically, what we'll find is that multiple of these causes are probably involved when we when we talk about all three, but that most likely is a significant pillar, is this idea that you're doing too much all the time. You're overtrained and you haven't balanced that properly with recovery. So that's one potential cause. Second potential cause, and this is something that Alex Hutchinson talks about in the article that I mentioned that turned me on to Luke Olson, and I'll post this article in the show notes. It's this idea of perfectionism, perfectionism. And it's important to note that he talks about it and it's being studied by the researchers from this article. It's being studied both from a perspective of of personal perfectionism you putting pressure on yourself to be perfect, but also being studied by external perfectionism 
and perhaps having the influence of a coach or maybe even a cohort of athletes around you that are that are intentionally or not pushing perfectionism on you to the point where you're not giving yourself the grace that you need. And it's important to note as we discuss this that it's okay to have high standards for yourself. But once but but that can go over the edge if you beat yourself up when perhaps things aren't perfect. And so one condition or cause could simply be perfectionism where you're trying to do everything perfectly and you're beating yourself up when things don't go perfectly or someone from the outside, either a coach or team is pushing that on you where you feel like the expectations from the outside are causing you to maintain a level of perfectionism or not balance grace well enough so that you beat yourself up because of that external pressure when you don't meet whatever standards you might have created for yourself. This can come, as I mentioned, in a variety of forms and can come from a variety of sources. One of the places that I've noticed that I can potentially apply this type of situation on myself or slip into perhaps unproductive behavior myself is when I start holding myself to standards that are unrealistic for whatever place in training I might be at in the moment. So just to give you an example, over the last five months or so, I've been rebuilding my fitness foundation so that I can train for a fall race. After having a three to four month period at the end of last year where I, where I was recovering from a nerve and foot injury, which I've talked about before. And so this spring, late winter and spring has really just been about rebuilding my mileage, getting back into doing workouts at normal paces again, and just simply getting into a rhythm of, of training that's sustainable so that I don't hurt myself again. And so that I'm, so that I am prepped and ready for this fall training cycle to come. And I'm going to be training for the Boston Marathon coming up here in October. And so that was, that was my goal for this season. It was really just about rebuilding a fitness foundation. Nothing more. There were no performance-related goals. Well, to keep things interesting, I jumped into our Rogue Trail series of events. We have a spring trail series of 10 and 30K distances. You can choose your adventure there and those races have been happening again. And so I signed up for the 30K series and I did all three of those races. Again, not in peak shape, not perfectly trained for them, not specifically training for them in any way, but just as a way to get out there and have some fun and compete again without pressure. Well, as I went through that process, I couldn't help but start to add pressure to the equation and think that I should be doing better than I was or perhaps hold myself to a standard that I might have held myself to in the past when I was more properly trained for those events. And that temptation to add that external pressure or internal really because I was putting it on myself started to weigh on me at times and I had to check myself and say, no, Chris, that wasn't your goal for this season. It wasn't about performing in any way. It wasn't about beating people or ranking a certain or finishing in a certain place 
in these races. It was purely just about having fun and staying healthy and, of course, building a fitness foundation for this fall training block to come. So I had to check that that temptation to layer in some perfectionism to the process and really just embrace the season that I was in, which was a season that was about fitness building and having fun. And But that was hard. That was a hard thing to do, and it required active thought process on my side to crowd out the temptation to want a little bit more. And I think we're always constantly under that pressure as high-achieving athletes to add layers of of pressure to try to add to our conditions of satisfaction, which is a term that I'll talk about more as we go. And so that's something to watch. And you may be in a place where perfectionism has gotten the better of you, either driven by yourself or driven by others around you. But that can be a contributing factor to this running burnout. A third thing which I'll mention, which I think is specifically relevant due to the pandemic is this idea of chasing substitute goals. Chasing substitute goals, which I think has potentially contributed to people's running burnout. Because if I think about those two planks, the second two planks that I mentioned, this idea of a reduced sense of accomplishment and of negative feelings toward the sport. I think about this idea of of chasing outcomes that maybe don't mean really what we want them to mean to us. And so over the last 12 plus months during the pandemic, we've all had to pivot. <laughs> you know, that's the word of the last 15 months. And we've all had to pivot. You know, businesses have had to pivot. People have had to pivot. Everything, everybody's pivoting and probably pivoted multiple times. And as runners, we've all pivoted. You know, we had spring races on the calendar that got canceled. Then we had fall races on the calendar. And then we had spring races again on the calendar. And we've had to constantly pivot. And to our credit, we've pivoted to things that have been pretty cool. People have done some virtual races. People have developed alternative goals. People have done other things that have been fun, interesting, and perhaps that drove you in meaningful ways. And again, I'm not saying that this is necessarily the case, but I think for some of us, and I think I would put myself perhaps in this category, is some of us have chased other goals, pivoted to other goals, and put a lot of energy into those goals, but but didn't necessarily have a personal personal relationship with those goals that was truly meaningful. So then so then you get to the finish line of that goal. And it just is kind of want want. It didn't mean what you thought it might mean because it really wasn't your your original goal. It wasn't the big thing you were chasing for. Maybe you didn't tie a purpose to it that was really meaningful. And you know, nobody's pointing fingers or blaming anybody for that. It's been a natural outcome of the circumstances. And certainly there's good that come that has come out of it in that if you've been able to train consistently because of those substitute goals, then great. But I think for some of us, it has stumbled or has has moved beyond that and chasing those substitute goals could have become or has become a burden without the same payoff 
that you would get from the goals that really matter to you. And so, so then you kind of get to the finish line of that goal and it doesn't mean the same because you, you weren't really connected to it and you worked really hard to get there and you start to question why and you end up in this really empty place where you did something and you put a lot of work in building towards it, but it doesn't mean a lot for whatever reason. And then suddenly that contributes when you layer in that plus all the other factors that we've talked about that contributes to this feeling of running burnout, this chase of empty substitute goals where you put a lot of work into something that just rightly so didn't mean the same thing as that goal that got canceled or postponed. So that's another factor I think that has contributed to these feelings of burnout that we're talking about. So, so that's kind of the the beginning part of this discussion, we talked about how you define burnout. We talked about what are some of those things mean and what could be causing it. And now let's talk about what do we need to do about it to get through it? Because unless you address it head on, it's 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 not going to go away. This isn't something that's dealt with easily. And as someone who's, who dealt with sort of personal and career burnout at the end of last year, I know I know a little bit about addressing and dealing with burnout and I think it's something you have to address address proactively and you have to address head on. So we'll talk about how to do that both on the mental side but also the physical side as we go here in just a minute. But first I want to get to my sponsor for the episode and what has now been a longer term partner for me with the podcast, which is my partner in care of. They are a vitamin and supplement company that make it really easy to get your daily supplementation. As I've mentioned before, I use them for my daily vitamin D and I've supplemented now that daily routine with other things that I'm using to stay happy and healthy as a runner. And I think right now, as people are kicking off their training for the fall cycle, this is a perfect time to really reset what you need to have success and care of can help you with that because if you can get into a routine of taking those things that you need every day then it's only going to help you be your best running self so what i would do is go to takecareof.com and complete their online quiz you can enter the goals that you might have and they'll spit out a list of recommendations for you under which you can build your daily vitamin packs to get the supplements that you need again to be your best running self so you take that online quiz the output of that quiz will be a recommended list of items for you and then you can go through and add each one of those individually as you would like to your daily vitamin pack. As a part of that, they give you all the information on what's included in each of those items plus the science behind it so you can make informed decisions and then you add that to your daily pack and then they give it to you so that you can incorporate that into your routine in just a simple, simple way. These are high quality products personalized to your needs and goals. And again, they make it really easy for you in those daily packs so you don't forget like I used to. So if you want to take advantage of it, go to takecareof.com. Use the code ROGUE50, R-O-G-U-E-5-0 for 50% off your first order. Again, that's takecareof.com. Use the code ROGUE50, R-O-G-U-E-5-0 for 50% off and check them out. You won't regret it. Okay, so let's continue this conversation on running burnout to talk about 
What do you do about it? How do you start addressing this issue? We'll talk first about the mental side of the equation because I think you really do have to get your mind focused on the right things. And then we'll talk about the physical side, which is, is, is a little bit easier to address. But I think unless you start making progress on the mental side, it's hard for the physical side to follow. So where are we at on the mental side of the equation? First thing I would recommend, and I'm going to give you four things to think about on the mental side. First thing I would recommend is, one, recognizing that it's not your fault and there's nothing wrong with you if these are the things that you're facing. I can promise you this is a difficult one to wrap your head around. As someone who faced burnout last fall, this was probably the toughest thing for me to recognize and admit is that I needed to take a break and that that break meant, didn't mean that something was wrong with me, that that break didn't mean something was wrong with me. It just meant I had burnout and you might be in that place where you have burnout and you have to accept it and recognize that it means it's not your fault and there's nothing wrong with you because of it. It's a situation that you're in. It is a place in your life. It is a step along your journey, but it does not define you as a human. And so step number one from a mental perspective is to let go of that idea. This is not your fault and it does not define you. To help wrap your head around that idea, I think one way to think about this is to think about it like a running injury to think about it like a running injury if i end up with plantar fasciitis for example i'm typically not going to think that something's fundamentally wrong with me because i got plantar fasciitis i might beat myself up i might say well i shouldn't have done x y and z in training but i'm not going to say or think that that running injury is a part of my identity or means that that something's fundamentally wrong with me. And I think burnout is the same type of thing. It is something that happens to you, but it doesn't define you. And certainly there could be lessons to be learned from how you got there, where you can decide and make a decision not to repeat some of those things, some of those same mistakes so that you don't get back to this place. There's certainly a learning process that you have to recognize, just like you would recognize if you had any injury, what might cause it so that you don't get back to that same place in the future. I'm not saying you shouldn't think about those things. I'm just saying that you should, if you think about it like a running injury, it's not something that defines you. It's not fundamentally who you are. It's just something that happened to you, something you need to address and work through so that you get, can get to a better place. But you have to let go of this idea that it is who you are. So that's point number one is don't beat yourself up too much because you're in this place. It doesn't mean that something is wrong with you and you have to be able to wrap your head around that. Second point, the second point is that I always think it's important as we deal with anytime we're in this place where we're struggling with motivation is to go back to first principles. I mentioned this in my January episode talking about my return to the podcast. 
I mentioned that during my time off, as I was dealing with my own personal burnout, that I went back to first principles, went back to the fundamentals. And in this case, I think that means rediscovering why you do running in the first place, rediscovering why you do running in the first place, and then giving yourself the space to, to seek curiosity again, to find curiosity again in the sport so that you can discover it like you're a new runner again in some ways. And so I encourage you as a part of this process to reflect back on why you got into running in the first place, how your purpose has evolved over time, to reflect back on how far you've come in your running journey, and then get to a place as a part of that where you can reassess your purpose and and also get to a place where you're leading with curiosity in the sport again. And so it's time to reflect and go back. And I would encourage you not to force this reflection. It's not something that you need to sit down and make sure you get an assignment completed in a certain period of time. It's just something to start marinating on and reflecting on as you give yourself space physically to have a little bit of break. And we'll talk about what that looks like in a second. So this isn't a defined period of time working on this. This is a thought process that sits in the back of your mind that you kind of let come and go as your curiosity leads so that you can rediscover why you love the sport again. And sometimes rediscovering why you love the sport again requires going back to what got you to fall in love with it in the first place. And so go back to that, the first principles, reflect back on why you do this. And then as curiosity leads, start to redefine that either by confirming that it's still the same as it always was or by crafting a new purpose for what drives you today. So that's point number two. Point one is recognizing that it doesn't define you. It's not your fault as a human. Point two is go back to first principles, rediscover and reflect on why you do this in the first place. Number three, you have to release expectations. Release all expectations. And this gets back to this point about perfectionism, potentially adding stress and pressure that's unnecessary. But I think you have to, in order to work through burnout, let go of the things that you're carrying, the pressure that you're carrying that's requiring you to do certain things. And so, for example, some of us become defined by our miles per week, for example, where you become a slave to the number. If I don't hit X miles per week, then it means something's wrong with me or I haven't been able to achieve what I was supposed to achieve in the week or I didn't get the training done that I needed to get done. We become a slave to a particular outcome versus really understanding how that outcome fits in the bigger bigger picture, having a purpose for it, or just occasionally giving yourself grace when you don't get there. And so as a part of 
this process, you have to let go of all of those expectations because until you do, you won't be able to rebuild them in a way that's useful and productive, which I'll talk about as my next point, but you have to release all of your expectations. As a part of this, I would encourage you to inventory those expectations. Write down the things that you're holding on to that you consider quote-unquote requirements for success in your running world. I'm talking about the mileage per week expectations. I'm talking about the workout expectations, maybe the paces that you're hitting in workouts that are set up as expectations. I'm talking about the number of days per week. I'm talking about all the things that you hold on to where if you don't hit a certain metric in your week, then you beat yourself up over it or you think that you're a failure because of it. So document those things and then let go of them all. Let go of them all. Doesn't mean they're not relevant anymore because we can rebuild that part, but it just means that you have to let go of those burdens that you're carrying, that are placing pressure, mental pressure on you that are causing you to not love and find joy in the sport at the moment. So document those expectations and then let them go. If you want to be dramatic about it, write them on a piece of paper and then burn that piece of paper. Because I think what happens over time is that we start to to accumulate these arbitrary and sometimes unnecessary expectations that we're carrying as burdens on ourselves, that then cause us to lose our motivation and joy in the sport. So document and let go of those arbitrary and unnecessary expectations. The last thing I'll mention from the mental side is I want you to craft new conditions of satisfaction. And I get this term, conditions of satisfaction, from Lauren Fleshman and actually indirectly from Carrie Mack, who wrote about her influence by Lauren Fleshman in this way. But Lauren talks about the idea of establishing conditions of satisfaction and reminding yourself regularly what those conditions of satisfaction are. Because We love to keep piling on conditions of satisfaction or let them creep in. Just like I was talking about with these races this spring for me, these trail races for me, I was letting, you know, my base conditions of satisfaction were building fitness, having fun, staying healthy. And yet I kept allowing other conditions to creep in related to performance when performance wasn't the original goal. And so as a part of this process, as you, let go of a desire to blame yourself or to assume being in this place to find you. As you let go of that, as you rediscover your purpose, as you let go of expectations that you may have been carrying unnecessarily or arbitrarily, it's important to hone in on and focus on what are the conditions of satisfaction that will allow you to experience the the sport now with joy. And I'm going to set goals aside for a second. This isn't about goal setting. This is about simply understanding where you need to be to be satisfied and find joy in the sport again. And 
Those conditions of satisfaction might right now be very simple. It might simply be about getting out and running X days per week with no definition about how long or far or fast you go. It might be about defining your training success in a way that is unique to what you have in the past. It may simply be about finding joy and gratitude in every run. Your conditions of satisfaction might simply be writing down a point of gratitude about every single time you get out the door. Ignoring the negative parts, but thanking or being thankful for the the parts that you enjoyed. And again, they might be small, they might be simple, but it could be about that. And so right now, the goal here is to narrow your conditions of satisfaction to things that are going to allow you to find joy and motivation again in the sport and not the things that are going to create undue pressure at the moment. Now, once you narrow that down, once you work through this burnout, and we'll talk about the physical side in a second, then we can start to expand those conditions of satisfaction again. But I would encourage you throughout that process, first of narrowing the list and second to expanding the list to keep those conditions of satisfaction hyper-focused on the things that matter at a given moment. Crowding out or pushing out the noise, the temptation to add things on the list that are unimportant. For me, it was crowding out or pushing out the temptation to try to perform or to have performance expectations about my race, my races this spring. Now, as I move into the fall, I'm amping that up. The conditions of satisfaction are naturally morphing, but I'm in a good place with it. And that's the way it should be. But when you're struggling with burnout, you narrow that list of conditions of satisfaction. You maybe redefine it to focus on the things that are going to give you joy in the sport. And then as you find that joy, then you start to add to it again, one at a time, again, with narrow focus, keeping off the list, anything that would be arbitrary or unnecessary or not related to your specific goals or achieving your specific goals at the time. So that's the fourth mental point here is narrow and refocus your conditions of satisfaction so that you can find and rediscover the joy in the sport. And all this is all this mental stuff is about resetting your brain and giving yourself the space to find joy, to find curiosity, to find motivation in the sport again. Now, in order to have success with that, because burnout is a physical and mental thing, then you have to also pair that work with the physical side of things. You have to pair it with the physical side. And so I'm going to give you three different things here on the physical side to talk about. The first thing is really simple. It's, I think it's important to understand and to confirm that there's no underlying physical issues with you as you face this running burnout. Oftentimes, those lingering feelings of fatigue or overtraining are paired with some underlying physical issue that may or may not have been caused by the overtraining. And so I encourage everybody to, that finds themselves in this place to get blood work done to get blood work done, to understand if there's any fundamental issue 
underneath the surface that could be causing that fatigue, that feeling of feeling overtrained. So get your baseline blood work done and address anything in there that might be core to how you're feeling. And so this could manifest in the form of anemias. This could manifest in the form of low vitamin levels. For me, at one time, it was low vitamin D. That's why I talk about supplementing vitamin D as I use with care of now. But it could be low vitamin B as that's an example of a situation that one of my athletes recently discovered is that he had low vitamin B levels that was potentially causing some of this lingering fatigue or just not feeling sharp. So you want to make sure that your underlying blood work is solid. And so I would recommend going to your primary care physician or depending on where you can are, where you are, you can sometimes go directly to a blood testing location. We have these places in Austin called any lab test now where I can literally go in, walk in, ask for blood tests myself and get the results typically within a few days. And so what I recommend is getting a CBC, that's a complete blood count, a CMP, a comprehensive metabolic panel, a lipid panel to understand where your cholesterol levels are, because I think that's just a smart basic health check. And then typically you have to order a vitamin D panel separately. Sometimes you also have to order some of the other vitamin panels separately. And so talk to your primary care physician, talk to the lab, figure out what works to understand where your blood levels are at. And when you're looking at those blood levels, when you get the output, you want to also consider anything that might be low within the range. Because typically what you're getting in the normal, quote unquote, normal ranges that are provided, that is the normal range for a an average human and not necessarily for a, an average athlete or, or, or optimized for an athlete. And so you want to understand where even if the even if a blood value is in the normal range you want to understand where that could be contributing to how you're feeling because of the performance you're trying to achieve and so that's where you want to again consult a doctor talk to him about it ask them hey you know all this is normal great but are there any values that might be low on the scale the scale low on the spectrum that could be causing me issues in which case address all of those underlying issues so that you know, you could pair that rebuilding that the base levels of, of metabolic values or health values, you can pair that with the other work needed to feel fresh again. So step one as a part of this process is get your baseline blood work done. Understand if there's an underlying issue and if there is an underlying issue, treat it proactively so that you can start feeling good again. The second thing physically that I want you to do is to take a training break. Take a training break. How long you need might vary, but I would submit that you need to take at least two weeks of a training break, at least two weeks. And that's not necessarily completely off of physical activity, but I want you to take two weeks off of structured training at least. More than that, if you feel like you need it, but at least two weeks off of structured training to where you're not following a schedule. You might be running some, but only based on motivation. You're keeping everything easy. And I would highly encourage you to replace 
running as an activity with other activities during that time that interest you. Again, only do things that interest you, that motivate you, that you want to do. And if you don't want to run, don't run. If you don't want to do anything during that period, don't do anything. But if you're motivated to do things, follow the curiosity. And so that could look like going for a hike, maybe a bike ride, taking your dog out, maybe doing something with your kids, playing soccer. There could be a host of things that you could do to replace the physical activity required by running. But I don't want you to think about it as a replacement. Just think about it as finding joy in something that's motivating and exciting for you. So take a two-week break from structure training at least and just simply follow your curiosity. Do the things that might be interesting. As I said, go for a hike, play soccer, go for a walk, go swimming, whatever it may be, do physical things that are fun and interesting to you that aren't a burden. Give yourself at least two weeks to do that. And potentially consider longer. If you're really in a deep hole, or if you get to the end of those two weeks and you're still still feeling a lack of motivation, still feeling physically exhausted, then give yourself a third week. You can't really screw this up by going too long. In fact, the only way to screw it up is by taking too little time. And so err on the conservative side, when in doubt, add another week. Again, you can do physical activity but keep it free form, keep it focused on fun and let your curiosity and your motivation drive you with that. Do some things that you haven't done because you've been afraid to, because you can't, because I'm training for this so I can't go do that fun hike with my kids that I would normally consider or I can't go play that game because it's too rigorous and then it'll take away from my workout tomorrow. Do those things. Do the project in the backyard that you've been delaying. Just find other ways to have fun with physical activity. And of course, don't do anything that is a burden or that leaves you under-motivated or overly fatigued afterwards. So take a complete break from structured training. That is a critical part of this process. At least two weeks, maybe more if you feel like you need it. And then the third principle of dealing with burnout, once you've taken that break, paired with understanding the blood values and making sure you're working on any underlying blood value issues, while also working on the mental side, as we already talked about, then you want to gradually rebuild your training, but only as your motivation drives you. But only as your motivation drives you. Now. You can create a loose structure for your training coming back. You don't necessarily have to start from scratch after a two-week break, but you should rebuild gradually, and you should rebuild based on your desire. You should be drawn to do the work. And so if initially your body says, hey, I'd be good for for doing a three- or four-mile run, go do a three three or four-mile run and do that at a cadence that syncs with your motivation. And then naturally add to that as your motivation allows. You want to give yourself a period of building back that is a little bit unstructured, that allows you to build gradually, and that allows you to build as your motivation allows. 
that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to always want to get out the door, but it does mean that maybe with a little push, a little prompting, you get out the door. And then once you get out the door, you're happy about it. And so you're going to have to play with that a little bit, but you want to rebuild patiently, rebuild as your motivation allows and resist the temptation to put a rigorous timeline on that. Resist the temptation to put a rigorous timeline on that. You could put a loosely structured timeline, but the second your motivation separates from that timeline, then you should sync with your motivation and not some arbitrary structure that you put out for yourself. So give yourself time, maybe four to six weeks to rebuild based on your motivation. Following a loosely structured rebuild that builds by no more than five miles per week, that doesn't do anything that puts you in a deep hole that errs on the conservative side related to any workouts that focuses primarily on easy running, maybe with some strides and light workouts worked in so that you're not continuing to dig the hole that you may have already been in. So rebuild gradually, rebuild as your motivation allows, and let your motivation be the guide for those first four to six weeks back. The second you get off of that train and start to force it, that's when you might have a problem. And you might be thinking, well, but I might have x-rays coming in 15 to 20 weeks. You might be thinking that. And I understand that, that temptation to be driven by deadlines, but this is not a time to be driven by deadlines or artificial boundaries around when you should get over this running burnout. Because if you don't deal with this now, if you continue to dig a hole for yourself or maybe you partially get out and then go back in the hole, then that's going to be a bigger, longer-term problem. So you want to make sure that you're rebuilding patiently, rebuilding as your motivation allows, not putting an artificial timeline on that. And if you're able to do that, I promise you, you will emerge from the other side in a good place that will allow you to then go after whatever goals might be on the table. That might mean as a part of that process that you end up having to bail on a goal that's upcoming and that's okay. I'd rather you bail on that goal now, postpone it to later, but rebuild that core motivation and rebuild that core feeling of feeling good and strong in your running than stay stuck in this state of running burnout, which could potentially lead you to deeper holes and at some point just giving up altogether. And so the hope here is if you rebuild gradually, let motivation return, then naturally, then you'll get to a place that's healthy and happy that will allow you to then figure out exactly what goals to chase next. And so be patient as you build back and resist the temptation to put a specific timeline on it. Let it be free form. And then once you get through it, you should feel refreshed. You should feel better. I think what you'll find is that your body and mind then start to lead you naturally into a place that is driven again. You won't have to force it if you're doing this the right way. Just like when I came back to Rogue, I didn't feel like I had to force it. That 
week or 10 days before I started getting the urge to come back, the urge to do stuff again. And it was natural then byproduct to jump right back in. And I think you'll find that if you, if you follow these steps the right way, the mental and the physical steps, then your body and mind will lead you to that next place. And if it's not coming naturally, then that's a sign that you need to take a step backwards and reassess the steps that I've talked about. But I hope for you, if you're in that place, that you give yourself the space and the grace to take this break, both physically and mentally, so that you can get to a happy place with your running again. And as I said, I've been through it personally. I understand what that's like. I've also come through it on the other side, and I'm in a good place now from a from a career and rogue standpoint. So I'm an example of this working out. And if you have any questions, certainly send them my way. You can always reach me at chris at roguerunning.com. So I will wrap this episode here and send you off. So thanks as always for listening. You can check us out at roguerunning.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at roguerunning. Also check out our sponsor, Take Care of. Com. Use code ROGUE50 for 50% off that first order. Otherwise, we will talk to you on the other side. We'll see you next week.